You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Slash Home Daily for Monday, June 20th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to discuss this weekend's box office. This is Slash Home Editorial Director Peter Soretta. And joining me on this podcast is Slash Home staff writer and box office expert, Brian Scott. Happy Monday, everyone, and a happy belated Father's Day to uh, those who it applies to. I, I've had some weird congestion, something or other. Like, I feel fine other than just being congested. Um, and I had COVID recently enough that I'm positive that's not what's going on. But, uh, but I, uh, yeah, so I just, like, my voice is probably going to slightly go out as I, um, as I uh, you know, drone on about uh movies that made money this weekend so yeah uh well i'm happy to have you on here because this weekend's box office was an interesting one ryan um well first of all let's start things off this is the first time since the pandemic that there have been three movies doing like extremely well at the box office yeah three yeah, big that, movies. yeah that was um that was important for sure uh, we, we had, uh, Jurassic World Dominion, Lightyear and Top Gun Maverick, uh, all made well over $40 million. That's good. Um, by the way, that is the first time since June of 2013, that three movies have done over $40 million at the box office. And, uh, thanks to Scott Mendelson for pointing that out. Oh, that's, I missed that in my write-up. Good. Yeah. Scott, Scott is, uh, Scott is the guy <laughs> for this stuff, but, but, um, but yeah, no, that's incredible. But 
the only thing I'll point out beyond that, though, is that the rest of the movies in the top 10 made like $8.5 million combined. So there was a Ouch. bit of a there was a bit of seepage, you know, like like where, yeah, the top three sort of ate well, but everything else kind of, you know, like so. So, for example, Top Gun Maverick came in at number three with 44 million. But then you go to number four and Doctor Strange only made 4.2. So like the drop off then becomes very <laughs> steep. Yeah, like, that's ten percent of above it. Yeah, and to the point of like where the number ten movie Brian and Charles, which was a new indie movie that came out from Focus, was able to sneak in there with one hundred ninety eight thousand dollars. So like yeah, like that. That's the only thing there is like that top three looks great, but everything else in the top ten kind of a bit of a like fighting for scraps. Yeah. Okay. Before we get to the the real interesting stuff, we got to stop at uh, start at the top. Let's start with Jurassic World Dominion, which came out number one this weekend, but it wasn't as big of a drop as I think a lot of people predicted it was going to be based on this, like the reviews and stuff. This was kind of at the top end of my expected drop, where like I thought it would probably lose at least sixty percent, and it dropped fifty nine point six. So like, you know, that was kind of in line with like my optimistic expectations. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so it made $58.6 million in its second weekend. Um, uh, it's doing well. I mean, there's no two ways about it. It's at 622 worldwide. Um, it's going to get to a billion. Like, there's no question uh, it, it, unless it and I, I mean, unless something really crazy happens, but it's it's well on pace but though it's going to be kind of the the comparison i used in my write-up this week is that it's going to be kind of like it's going to be like the rise of skywalker of this jurassic trilogy and that like it's going to make less than the other two like there's no question um yeah you know because like rise of skywalker made like 1.06 billion i think it was and like last jedi made 1.3 and force awakens made two jurassic world made 1.67 Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom made 1.3. This is probably going to barely clear a billion. You know what I mean? It's going to follow that same trajectory. That's still enough for Universal to pop some champagne, no question. And then <laughs> yeah, the, the other the other interesting thing that was pointed out is that, you know, these movies have all been made for around 165 or 175 million, which is a lot cheaper than like your typical $200 million mega blockbuster now. So you get to profitability a lot quicker if you make this movie for 170 million as opposed to 200 million. So that's actually been really smart on Universal's part. And that's actually been an overlooked element of this where 170 million looks pretty reasonable, uh, which yeah. is something we're going to talk about here in a second. But yeah, it's, it's fun, funny about our world where we, when we talk about movies that make like, you know, a uh, billion dollars and we're like, oh, this is considered a disappointment, even though it's obviously going to make money for them, even though, you know, oh, it's it, not maybe, a disappointment not as much. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a disappointment. You're just grading on a curve. You know what I mean? Like, because I think a lot of times sequels like in the Marvel cinematic universe era, sequels can tend to make more than their predecessor. And I think so when you see a sequel making less, you know, it, it just it 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 comes off bad, but it's not really always the case. We've talked about this before that, you know, old school Hollywood sequels almost always made less than the original, but like yeah. they would still be enough to sort of, you know, keep them going. So, you know, it just, it just happens that way sometimes. Uh, you mentioned worldwide. How much do you think domestically this is going to make? 
Oh yeah, because you need to know about your. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's well, it's all I about me, Ryan. I I need to know about my summer movie wager and how much I I blew it by putting this at number one. I mean, look, I think you weren't the only one. A lot of us did. Oh, everybody uh, yeah. on the slash film cast put it yeah. at number one. So we, yeah, we all are, you know, yeah. I don't think anyone like Top Gun Mavericks already at four sixty six, and it's gonna pass five hundred. I don't know if Jurassic World Dominion gets to five hundred, so. Um, I'd see it topping out around four, maybe close-ish yeah. to four, depending on the drop-off. And what is Doctor maybe. Strange at? Doctor Strange is higher than that, isn't it? Yeah, four hundred five. Yeah, yeah. So, so Jurassic World, it's going to be number three, if not number four, because of Thor. I don't know how. I don't know about Thor. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I boy, I uh. Wait, I tell you one thing. I've always been pretty decent at box office analysis. I used to have to do box office predictions for an old site. And like, man, I'm, you know, but box office predictions are pretty tough. Like it really, it really is. And I, and I think it's only gotten more difficult in the post pandemic era. Like things have been so unpredictable, you know, yeah. like it's really tough to, to, to nail this stuff down. So, um, yeah, I mean, sorry, I guess to anyone who listened to me. <laughs> Well, that's one of the things I love about doing the summer movie wager every year because it it really does give you the sense that like, you know, when you are a bystander watching the box office every year and you're like, why is Hollywood making all these horrible decisions? Why don't they know? And like if you go down to like the numbers and you go by the comps and what should do well, what shouldn't do well and like – you know, I I base you know I, I talked to you and I based my list basically on the comps of things, and we were wrong <laughs> with the budget thing. Speaking about being wrong, Top Gun Maverick was something we underestimated. Uh, way underestimated, way underestimated. But everyone did. I don't yeah. feel bad about that. Every single person who does this underestimated Top Gun Maverick. Oh, I, I, I've talked to people at Paramount and they were like, we didn't expect it to do half this. So, I mean, hell, Matt Patches had to eat a shoe. You know what I'm saying? You know, like, what do you know? Uh, you know. Um, I finally saw the movie this uh, this weekend. <clears throat> I, I know I had been putting it off. I, it, it, the weird thing is I don't like Top Gun. Like the first we talked movie, about this. we talked about this. Yeah, like it's just not my thing. Like I was not one of those kids that like wanted to drive in fast cars or fast jet. Like it wasn't like one of those. Like I feel like, especially boys, like that's a thing. Like we like yeah. going fast and in, in in some kind of vehicle, and that wasn't me. And I, I watched it, and uh, you know, uh, rest in peace, Tony Scott. But his style is just not my thing. A lot of times, oh, I love very- Tony Scott. I just hate <laughs> Top Gun. Like you know, it's yeah, it's. But his it's films are like so of its time. So like eighties or nineties. Yeah, but what? But man, the stuff he made later, like man, like Man on Fire is so good, and Unstoppable was great, and yeah, you know, yeah. I, I actually like Days of Thunder quite a bit. Um. You know, I don't think I've seen Days of Thunder. <laughs> gonna Peter, I'm going to say it right now, and people can get mad at me if they need to. You don't need to see Days of Thunder. <laughs> well, okay. I, I it, Going into Top Gun, and uh, Kitra had not even seen Top Gun. Uh, so both of us were kind of like, the only reason we were going were because everybody, every one of our friends, every one of my colleagues was like, you know, you got to go see Top Gun Maverick. 
and I actually loved it. I ended up loving the movie, I, which I'm shocked because like it got me to care about these characters from the original that I didn't care about. And, you know, I was, I was sitting there in the seat on the edge of my seat crying. Oh, no, it, it, it's, it's a it's a it's the best kind of sequel because I actually walked out of the movie theater uh, with Kitchen. You know, Top Gun's not a movie I care about at all i was like this makes me want to go back and watch the original top gun to kind of like get the prequel to this movie (laughs) so uh but yeah so this movie's doing really really well still uh 15 drop this weekend yeah just over 15 percent, which is in its fourth weekend uh the one thing i will also give scott mendelson credit for is that he pointed out this is now the second best fourth weekend ever behind james cameron's avatar which made 51 million in its fourth weekend so Whoa. yeah i mean the sky is the, the sky is the limit i now believe top gun maverick will be the highest grossing movie of the year worldwide i don't think anything else can beat it well um, avatar 2 could okay within the calendar year though because avatar 2 is coming out in december so that'll make the lion's share of its money so by the end of it it might be that avatar 2 is the highest grossing movie that was initially released in 2022 but within the calendar year i believe top gun maverick will be this year's box office champion wait what about wakanda forever no no, you don't think it has a chance. I don't think it'll make. I don't think it'll make more than Top Gun Maverick. I think, I think, black I, look, again. I could, and again, we could look back at this, and I could be very wrong. But like, I think with the absence of Chadwick Boseman, despite how much everyone is going to want to support that movie, I still think it's going to have a hard time making as much money as the original did. Um, I think I think it could be like um, which Fast and the Furious movie was it that they Furious Seven, yeah, like that made a lot of money. The one that like they had his brother one of the highest grossing movies of all time. Yeah, but so it could be. I could be wrong. Um, I also I don't know. Like, and again, I could sound very silly about this, but like I kind of don't have the best (laughs) feeling about Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Like, I feel like they had a lot of production issues, and it's going to be tough to have to reconcile the absence of but i don't know i feel like that movie's fighting a big uphill battle and and i'm and and i don't know um and i'm also not sure because like namor is kind of the thing they're clearly hiding and i and i don't know if like mainstream people give a shit like i don't know if like mainstream audiences are going to be like ooh namor you know what i mean like it's just going to look very aquamany i don't know um uh yeah I, i have i have like some some trepidation about how well Wakanda Forever is going to do? Like it's it's obviously going to do very well, but I don't know if it will match because that original was caught such a wave, and yeah. I don't know if it's going to do the same thing again. We'll see. But that would be the only other one on the calendar that I think even has a chance. Yeah, no, I have to agree with you. Um, okay, let's talk about the probably most interesting part of this weekend is from Pixar came Lightyear. Yeah. And uh, it, it uh, underperformed, I think, is the, the best way of saying it. Yeah. So, like, let's be very clear here. It, it made $51 million, which is the, the most that an animated movie has made by, by a pretty wide margin since the pandemic began. So, like, that's good. Um, it was originally projected to make 
between 70 and 80 million heading into the weekend, which was like kind of middle of the road for Pixar. And it under, it greatly underperformed. It was, it was projected to win the weekend and it did not. And it only made 34.6 million internationally. So it's only at 85.6 after 85.6 after its first weekend. Um, uh, look, it's not great. It, 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 I, I, you know, for by Pixar standards, like the, 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 and the problem is, and this goes to what we were talking about before, this was a $200 million budgeted movie. Yeah. The other big problem here is that, is that your last three original Pixar movies went straight to Disney plus. So I have a lot to say about that, but you okay, know, let's, let's talk about that in one second. Uh, I, I do want to mention to set the stage here of expectations. You know, the Toy Story movie is doing the 400 millions domestically around that. Uh, we at the beginning of the summer, you and I, Ryan, we sat down here to talk about box office predictions. And I think we came up with the thought that this could do 250 to 300 million. So we didn't we weren't even thinking this was going to do Toy Story numbers. No, uh, you know, we, we, we thought this was going to do less than that, uh, 250 to 300 million. It looks like this might, what at best 150, 175. Oh, it's not going to, it's not going to touch 175. Um, uh. yeah, 150 maybe. Um, so but the, the, basically the half of is, what we, we thought. The only thing is this might have some legs because there isn't like, I think what minions, the rise of Gru comes out. What time in July? I think is that late July or early I don't July? Have the date. Okay, but that's the only <laughs> other real like big family friendly movie until November, like animated family friendly movie. So this might get some legs, um, but no. So it, it definitely, it it, it I have definitely bad isn't news for do. you. Minions R- Rise of, what, of Gru like comes out July? Uh, July first in the United States. Okay, yeah. So so that's gonna be that's gonna be tough. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I think that, but then, but then those two, those uh, are the only two like animated games in town. Yeah. So yeah. like, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so that's pretty bad. That's rough. Um, here's the big problem. Pixar. Had wait, 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 before you get, before you get to that, I want to go through the list of possible reasons of what could go wrong. And we're going to, we're going to build up to what I know you're going to say. Okay. All <laughs> right. I know That's you, fine. Ryan. I, I, I know you, yeah. I know your opinion on this. Okay. Uh, did, did you see this film by the way? Yeah. I, I loved it. Yeah. I, I saw it and I don't think I was excited to see it. I was like, it was like, you know, why are they making this movie? You know, what is it going to be? And I was, you know, my expectations were low, but it, it really over, way over exceeded my expectations. Loved it. Uh, love socks the cat. I think uh, I don't know. It, it, it seems like it's it's. I would say it's crowd pleasing. So the first reason here, Ryan, is it not crowd pleasing enough? Uh, no, I think the thing is like the audience score and the Rotten Tomatoes rating would lead you to believe it's it's a perfectly fine, you know, um, Pixar film. Like it's it's you yeah. know I don't I think that I think and and again I'm not the I am not the first one to point this out. This sort of has the solo a Star Wars story problem where this was not yeah. a movie anyone wanted to see. I okay. actually thought it was a good idea. <laughs> I, I thought it was a good idea. I, I understood the thinking here. I was clearly wrong, but like, you know. Yeah. 
Well, well, the second thing on the list is there's a certain amount of people out there. There's a certain certain side of things that would lead you to believe it's because Tim Allen was replaced, and that's why people didn't go see this. I am refusing to comment on that. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think that's laughable. This, the sad thing is now that it's underperformed, like it, it becomes like uh, evidence. Do you know what I mean? It's like uh, for them, which kind of sucks. Um, uh, tough competition is my number three reason. Do you, do you think it could be that, you know, families are going to see Jurassic World or Top Gun? Oh, I mean, it was absolutely a brutal weekend. And like, I think we, I think nobody could have predicted how well Top Gun Maverick would still be doing um, on this weekend. Uh, yeah, that was where I think a lot of the Father's Day money went to Top Gun Maverick, where Pixar and Disney were sort of hoping it would go to them. Um, so that I think competition absolutely was. And Jurassic World Dominion, also another like big dad movie, no question. So like, you yeah. know. Yeah, that was um yeah, having that third movie to eat into the weekend's earnings definitely there's no question. Yeah, so I think this is the first uh plausible reason I think this is a bad release date. They shouldn't have opened up. I mean, they didn't know that Top Gun was going to have the legs it did, but they should they definitely shouldn't have opened up, you know, uh you know, coming off of Jurassic World Dominion. So, um okay, uh you mentioned before an idea that no one wanted. So do you, do you think this was just a movie, like an, like a concept for a movie that no one wanted? I think the numbers would suggest that's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, I think that this was not, or at least not on a $200 million budget level. You know, it's all relative, right? It's all relative. Yeah. Like, I think that it's unfortunate that the weekend ended up being so stiff competition wise. Disney couldn't have predicted that. I think, so that's going to eat into it a little bit, whatever. But like, I think, yeah, like I think maybe they overestimated the audience for this a bit and $200 million was a big ask, you know, cause you have to make a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money to justify that kind of budget. You know, that yeah. is, that's the kind of movie that like has to at least make a half a billion dollars or it's a complete waste of everyone's time. So, you know, <laughs> like that's, you know, that's the thing, the thing is, I, this is an idea that I don't think anybody wanted, but I think people could have been convinced that it was an idea they wanted. And that brings me to the next reason this possibly could have failed. Uh, an idea that no one understood. I think the marketing for this movie was not good at explaining what think, it was. I think film Twitter has ran away with this one. The whole idea that this is some confusing idea. It's not. Uh, it is. I, I really think people have overestimated. I don't think this was tough for people to grasp. And I think, the people that were interested clearly understand. And also, largely, it doesn't matter three minutes into the movie. Like, it it, it just becomes an entertaining sci-fi movie. It doesn't really matter. You know, so I don't think that was... I don't give that one as much stock as other people are giving that. That's me, though. I don't know. I, I talked to my non-film Twitter friends, and they seem so confused by what this movie is. Should I be interested? I just want to see Bud and Woody. Like, what is going on? Like, and I, maybe that goes back to the the previous point of it's an idea that no one wanted. But I just don't think people understand the value of it here. And also, like, they're they're having to do so much in like trying to let people understand what this movie is and what the characters are. You kind of hide the premise a little bit to keep the surprises of what happens in the movie. And I feel like it, it, that premise is interesting. 
but um okay uh brian we have arrived at the final point the one that i think you are most passionate about has disney devalued pixar oh i'm rubbing my hands together uh yeah they uh look uh pixar had become an important brand to cinema not just disney you know i look at a movie like coco where you were able to get away with that concept because it's pixar and that movie makes like well over 700 million dollars at the global box office that is so important and Pixar was one of the last places where you could do stuff like that and have it really reach a global audience. That was important. I understand. Onward got its theatrical run cut very short, had to get sent to Disney+. Plus. What are you going to do? Soul comes out at the end of 2020. You got to do something. You got four Pixar movies in the pipeline. You can't just leave them all sit there. I understand why Soul goes to Disney+. Plus. I think the initial problem was... You charge 30 bucks for Mulan and Black Widow, but you say Soul is not worth charging money for. You immediately set the expectation that Pixar is now something that is free on streaming. And then you do it with Luca and Turning Red as well, all of which were very well reviewed, all of which were expensive to make, all of which were set free on Disney+. Plus. So you've now had two years worth of free Pixar movies on Disney+. Plus. You, it is really easy to retrain audiences. Look now that everyone expects every new movie on VOD very quickly because that is now the expectation. Audiences have been retrained. I, I, now, believe that people, <sighs> I, I now believe that families have been retrained to believe that Pixar is now something that is that does not have as much value as it used to have because streaming has made it so those movies do not cost money. So I think that maybe that doesn't take all of it out of it. I think that is an element of it. And I definitely think that that Disney Disney did some damage to the overall Pixar brand by doing what they did. Uh, I would like to understand what your sigh was about, Peter. No, I, my sigh is about, I, I agree with you. I think that, I mean, this isn't a hole that you can't get yourself out of, but I think Chapek and the, you know, I, I, I like... I, I think we all demonize JPEC. There's there's other people, you know, helping to run that company and making these decisions. The people in charge at Disney, I think, were trying to sell their streaming service. And, you know, they threw all the balls to the wall to try to sell that streaming service. And now people love that streaming service and they don't want to leave the house to go to the theater to see the next Pixar movie. And that's that's a shame. Don't, like, oh, no. It, uh, I'm wondering... I don't know. I'm really curious. Do you think do you really think this is going to be something we're going to see in, in the coming years with the Pixar and Walt Disney animation movies? Do you think it's going to be something where it's eventually going to become a non-theatrical? Like, you know, it seems like Disney all, already, if you're not a Marvel movie, you're not theatrical. If you're not Marvel or Star Wars. You're not theatrical, like you know, Chip and Dale, Rescue Rangers, uh, was directed Disney Plus. Everything, Pinocchio, a movie coming from Robert Zemeckis, starring Tom Hanks, is going direct to Disney Plus. Uh, I don't know. I I think, I think Disney had its plans for streaming, and I think the Netflix 
situation has made everyone have to reconsider some things. Um, <laughs> I think that comes into play, but I also, I don't, Chapek seems, boy, I don't know. Cause that whole like Peter Rice stuff was pretty rough and uh, wasn't really a good look for him. And oh, I'm not he, really sure. he's not he's not good. I'm, 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 don't get me uh, don't let me don't take this as me sticking up for JPEG. I I just want to say that like we often like point the finger just at him and there's there's other executives involved. No, no, in there's this. other executives, but I, but I'm curious now what his thinking is, and is he gonna like dig his heels in and double down? Like, <laughs> no, I was right, you know, like, or I don't know, and and that's the thing is I. Because you're right. The thing you said before that this is not a hole that you can't dig yourself out of. If you and I and I think this goes back to what happened with Star Wars. Like if you look at Solo and you said, "Okay, people didn't want to see the Han Solo movie and we spent way too much on this. That was on us. Let's do another Star Wars movie and see what happens. Instead, they said, no, Mandalorian worked. All Star Wars is TV now. Uh, Like maybe (sighs) maybe that maybe that's what they do with Pixar. They go. Okay, Lightyear didn't work. That means Pixar now is streaming, and that's what Pixar is for us. Instead, you can dig yourself out of this by saying, okay, we got to retrain consumers. Pixar movies are a cinematical, cinematic brand, and that's how it's going to be. And Lightyear just didn't work out the way we wanted. We got to sort of take this L, and that'll still do well for us on streaming. It's going to make what it makes at the box office, and maybe this isn't a total loss, but you know, we need to... We need to recommit to this being a cinematic brand, and that might take some time, but, you know, that's okay. So, but I don't know. I don't know that I see Disney doing that, Um, and that's the concern. Uh, Yeah. Um, I I hate to do this, Ryan, but I got to play devil's advocate here, and this is not my viewpoint at all, but if I'm JPEG and I'm like, seeing all these headlines of a light year, maybe my thinking would be we should have released this on Disney plus it would, the headlines would be, this is a well-reviewed, the audiences are loving it. You know, there's nobody talking about box office and expectations, failures, underperformance. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it keeps it in a walled garden where nobody knows how it performed. Mm, yeah <laughs> i hate to say um, that but that that feels like that's would be my takeaway if i was jpeg yeah i i definitely could see that um for sure i mean you know i i just don't like that line of thinking and and but i agree with it like it, you know it's i get it like i guess it just i guess it just i would hate to think that you know, Disney is not smart. The, the whole of the Disney Corporation, I would hope, would be smart enough to look at this and go, Pixar has so much more value to us if we don't just make it a streaming concern. You yeah. know, because it does. Uh, I just wrote my Tales from the Box Office this weekend about Toy Story because Lightyear came out. And um, Light- uh, Pixar is very quickly approaching Lightyear should still push it over $15 billion at the box office. So within wow. within 25 years, essentially, because, you know, up to 2020, they made like fourteen point seven billion dollars and only like four of those movies made below four hundred million dollars worldwide. 
Like it is unreal the level of success they had. And the original movies you have in there, you know, Inside Out, Up, um, Coco, you know, the list goes on of like these incredible, really rich original ideas that were able to become gigantic blockbusters because audiences know Pixar means this. Pixar became a brand unto itself. What you lose by taking that away, you know, like that that's needed in cinema right now. Like like and and I would hate to think, you know, what what you lose if Disney just goes forget it, you know. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you said. I I love Pixar. I, I'm worried, like we always say on this podcast, I'm worried about the lessons the executives at Disney are going to take from this underperformance. Like, you know, maybe putting Pixar's future on Disney Plus. Like, that doesn't seem like the lesson here. Uh, some of Pixar's best movies have been their their originals. They're, they're, they're stuff that didn't have to do with the IP. This is this had IP and it failed. So Disney, why don't you take why don't you take that as a lesson that like maybe people don't want uh you know shoehorned in IP Pixar movies. They're not going to take that as a lesson, Brian. Is what I'm saying. No, they're not. They're not. And and you know I don't know. I I yeah. Again, I don't know. It it is um yeah. It's it's just it's disheartening and and it and it is uh. Uh, as much as I hate to say this, like I love Star Wars and I wish Star Wars was still movies and I wish all these things. I don't know that cinema needs yeah. Star Wars. I think cinema really needed Pixar and mm. especially now, you know, like, and I say that with taking my feelings out of it. I want more Star Wars movies. I think we needed Pixar movies and yeah, that's, you know, so, uh, and we don't need them to just be dumped into a streaming library for to die on the vine, you know, like that's the, yeah. that, that's what we don't need. So, you know, I digress. But. No, I, 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 as the biggest star Wars fan that you could find, I a hundred percent agree with the, you just, what you just said, which is sad, but um, yeah, I hope, I hope Pixar's future is not Disney plus. I hope it is theatrical. Uh, we have hit the end of this episode, but Ryan, do you want to plug your Tales from the Box Office column from this past week? Yeah, like I said, it's just uh, I, I wrote about, you know, I, I always try to tie it to something relevant or an anniversary. So with Lightyear coming out, I, I it was just talked about um, uh, Toy Story, but more more than just Toy Story itself, the fact that that movie built one of the most reliable cinematic brands in history, a string of hits that few studios have ever seen or ever will see. Um, and, and, and the brand of Pixar was essentially nothing more than quality and innovation. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it, and, and you built, you built what was built on the back of that is nothing shy of incredible. So yeah, that's kind of, so if you want to check that out, it's uh it's on, it's on the site right now. Yeah, I'll put the link in the show notes. This podcast is published every weekday on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter.slashfilm.com. And please rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.